This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is David Tilman, and today we're talking about the future of identity. Joining me is Alex Brownsell, Walk Senior Editor for Media and editor of a new Walk Guide on this very topic. And he's here to share three things we need to know. Now, Alex, before we begin, can you explain what it is we mean by identity and how that relates to advertising? Hi, David. Yeah, of course. What we mean by identity is the means by which brands and publishers can recognise an individual consumer as they move across the internet, across the web. Now, this is an area that's been debated quite controversially in, in recent times. Google uh, made an announcement that it was going to be phasing out third-party cookies from its Chrome browser. Apple has announced that users of its devices will have to opt in to mobile ad ID tracking. And there's been a huge number of regulatory changes as well. And we're not just talking about GDPR and CCPA here. There's a whole patchwork of regulation globally that brands need to become familiar with. All of this adds up to a new data landscape that brands are gonna have to operate in. And as our survey at the turn of the year for the marketers toolkit revealed, only 37% of client-side marketers actually have a plan in place for a post-cookie landscape. So this is definitely front of mind. So we should be expecting a lot of activity in this area in, in the coming 12 months. Yeah, definitely. And investment terms as well. I mean, in the US alone, uh, the consultancy Winterbury Group forecasts that spend on identity services is likely to double to about eight billion by 2024. So it's it's a huge area of focus. There's clearly a, a huge amount going on here, but for the purposes of this podcast, we can only talk about three things. So, So where do you want to start? I'll get straight to the point then. I mean, I think with Google's decision to postpone its own uh, restrictions around third-party cookies until 2023, there's going to be a temptation for a lot of advertisers to file this issue for deal with another day. As the walk guide that we've just released uh, on this topic sets out, we really think this would be the wrong idea. There are huge long-term risks for brands to consider, and these are going to require complex solutions. You know, I'll just list now four areas that the brands are going to have to look at. First is reach and frequency. As it's underpinned currently by third-party cookies, that, that model is compromised. Attribution models, uh, you know, are now flawed, particularly things like last click. Um, targeting is going to be made weaker and and retargeting across the web as we know it is probably a thing of the past or soon to be a thing of the past. And and finally, and and perhaps most significantly for a lot of brands, there's going to be an increased reliance now on the walled gardens, the digital platforms like Amazon, Google, Facebook, with huge volumes of user data and obviously huge number of advertising tools and formats. They're going to look even more appealing uh, in in a situation where identity across the web is becoming muddier. So there's lots for marketers to think about. What's going to be the impact on publishers? Well, I think this is a big opportunity for innovative media owners that have strong audience data and invest in tools. For the purposes of, of the Walk Guide report, we've spoken to publishers like the New York Times, the Financial Times, the South China Morning Post that are all moving uh, in this area and and trying to figure out a way of developing advertiser relationships in a post-cookie landscape. 
Publisher alliances um, are also coming together to combine for reach and scale. There's, there's one in the UK that gets a lot of attention called the Ozone Project. Um, the trouble is that a lot of publishers have become lazy. Um, there's a lot of pilot high cheap content and many publishers have just been tempted into outsourcing advertiser relationships to ad tech companies. This we think is a, a dangerous place for publishers to be. Let's hear from Ranga Somanathan, who's the co-founder of R Squared Global Ventures and, and formerly headed up Omnicom Media Group in APAC. There is a high risk of advertising flow petering off and moving into the environments, having first-party audience data like Google, Facebook and Amazon. The open exchange, which thrived on the promise of efficient targeting using third-party cookies, will have the biggest impact. Publishers had abdicated their advertising sales to programmatic platforms and they're riding the digital wave. They will need to pivot to building quality content, improving the user experience, enhancing stickiness, and most importantly, relook at their commercial and monetization model to create a better value for brands. Okay, so let's focus a little bit on what this means for brands. As we set out in the walk guide, the best way for brands to avoid any disruption from the the buys of third party cookies is to focus on first party customer data. Um, according to an IAB Europe uh, Zander survey, 60% of brands in Europe are now focusing on the collection and management of first party data. So that means it's second only to contextual marketing as the lead strategy in a post cookie environment. So we know this is a growing area of priority for brands. And what are the key pieces of advice for marketers that, that come out of the report here? I'd like to focus on, on three areas here. Now, the first is brands really need to review their first party data processes. Compliance is of the utmost importance in data collection and management. And by the way, that includes any data collected for a brand or on behalf of a brand by their partners, agencies, ad tech, whoever it might be. Everybody needs to be above board. Marketers really need to evaluate tech stacks and make sure that, that what was fit for purpose in a cookie era is also going to be fit for purpose in a privacy first environment as well. The second point is that first party data management is an ongoing process. This isn't something that could just be looked at once and then sort of put out to pasture and forgotten about. The recency of the data, for instance, is vital. You know, if, if the data is out of date or it's wrong, I mean, it's worse than useless. It's potentially damaging. So preference management tools, ways that you can make it easier for customers to go in and update their data and, and also update what they want to share with you and what they don't want to share with you. That, that's going to be the new gold standard. And, and what we're seeing is where there's a clear value exchange with customers, where in exchange for a really great personalized product or service, um, consumers are, are, are willing to proactively share their information. And, and that's something that's being dubbed zero party data by the industry and, and is going to be a, an area of interest, we think. The final point is to explore ways to widen your brand's first party data footprint. Now, the easiest way to do that is just, just to evaluate all of your customer touch points from a data collection point of view. Are there any areas that you're not properly exploiting to collect that data. You know, this could be owned media, physical or virtual events, loyalty schemes. There's a bunch of different areas. Now, not all 
marketers are sat on a heap of first-party data. Some categories are very rich in it, some categories aren't. So what advice do you have for, for those marketers in the category of, of the, the have-nots when it comes to first-party data? I think that's a really good point. I mean, this isn't a level playing field here. Um, for those brands, as you say, that, 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 that are in the sort of have-nots category, I think it comes down to having a first-party data mindset. Um, and this is something we talk about in the Walk Guide. Um, here's Jen Gulling, Vice President, Enterprise Growth Leader at Dentsu Agency Merkel, with some pointers for brands. There's plenty of ways that companies can collect more first-party data. And to gain a competitive advantage in the marketplace, brands will need to be laser focused on bolstering their first party and their second party data strategies. One way is to evaluate the marketing technology to ensure that it's integrated and that it's future proof and that you're able to collect all the data about your customers that you want to. Another is to examine email, loyalty, and e-commerce experiences to determine if there's any low hanging fruit and to see if there's data collection opportunities. Email is a very cost-efficient channel that can enhance your first-party data rather quickly. Loyalty is another great way to gain more information about your customers through promotion, sweepstake, and gamification. A very significant opportunity is also through e-commerce when you go on site, being able to evaluate if you can identify who your customers are, tracking their behaviors, and understanding their browse behavior history. So what's the third area you'd like to talk about? I think I think we need to be clear. There is a bewildering array of ID solutions on the market at the moment. And this is something we try to clear up uh, in the walk guide. You know, we look at the difference, for instance, between deterministic and probabilistic industry IDs. We look at what Google's proposing with its cohort schemes. And so just on that cohort scheme, can you explain that a little bit? Because I've, I've read a little bit about it. What, what are they trying to do? Well, I think for Google, the emphasis here seems to be on moving away from user level targeting towards grouping consumers in in in, in larger sort of groups of you know say around a thousand users um, that have all exhibited similar behaviors or similar traits or similar interests uh, the idea is that these uh, solutions you know for instance flock um, federated learning of cohorts is one of the solutions being talked about um, is that the data stays at browser level so it isn't centralized it isn't kind of collected and scooped up and hoovered like a lot of these data schemes are um, it's also run into a huge uh, sort of regulatory roadblock uh, in the uk with the competition market authority so um there's it's by by no means a fait accompli that it'll that it'll land in the format it's currently being talked about but um we think that this whole move from user level to grouping is actually going to become a bit of a part of the future of identity for sure so where does that leave the, the future of identity? Well, we think that the future of identity is going to be modular. You know, brands are going to need to stitch together data from multiple ID sources, first party, second party, industry IDs. All of it's going to have to come together to try and paint a, a, a picture of, of the customer. And, and so interoperability is a vital component. Marketers should also be sceptical, we think, of, of any vendors claiming to be able to, to replace the third party cookie wholesale. Any solution like that is, is pretty unlikely to, to pass muster, either for consumers or, or, frankly, for regulators either. OK, and what does that future mean for measurement? Well, one of the, the issues we talked about earlier um, is the potential for this really playing into the hands of walled gardens. that They have huge amounts of data. Brands know and, and, and have come to depend on, on advertising within them. And, and frankly, 
you know, continue to do so, particularly for, for certain types of digital or direct consumer brands that, you know, that are really benefiting from those performance tools. What we're seeing is the rise of something called single platform attribution. You know, for brands, if they spend 60 to 70% of, of their budgets on a single platform, you know, if that's Amazon or Google or WeChat, actually then they can gain a benefit from really knowing what is working within the confines of that platform. You know, where which types of ad formats within Facebook or, or, or on YouTube are really performing best and trying to optimize on that platform. You know, of course, obviously, that doesn't mean you're going to know what's happening outside the confines of the platform. But um, for those brands that are really dependent on, on wall gardens, it's a, it's a potential solution. And what if you do want to know that bigger picture? Well, this is something that we see maybe brands going back to the future and that this more modular approach to identities is likely to signal a return to market mix modeling and econometrics in how brands measure campaign effectiveness. This is something that Sharif Gindi, Vice President Data Strategy EMEA at Essence has explained. For a very long time, brands and platforms have been running cross-platform, cross-channel attribution models based on, you know, quick signals like uh, cookies and mobile IDs. And, you know, while we understand the necessities of why people do it, the challenge is none of these models or none of these data sets are representative of real actions, given the fact that they were always flawed in nature. Now more than ever, we're really pushing clients and partners to look at more bigger data models. And in this case, to measure effectiveness of channels, we're looking at econometric models. The reality is combining two sets of data like faster faster moving data sets like cookies or IDs with more research and slower based models will give us a better view of the world. The reality is slower models like, you know, syndicated research and research in general on the long term seems to be the more accurate view of the world. So really, we're really asking people to kind of start looking at market mix modeling for true channel effectiveness and, and performance effectiveness. But we also understand that people need to make quick decisions on the go to optimize their campaigns. And we really think people should focus on a culture of experimentations, right? Run a series of A-B tests, control exposed as part of your day-to-day -day activity. And that should give you the right balance between long-term channel effectiveness and short-term attribution modeling. Well, thank you to Sharif, Ranga and Jen. And thank you to Alex. And of course, you can read more in the Walk Guide to the Future of Identity at walk.com. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the Walk podcast on your favourite podcast platform so you never have to miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.